Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. Anachronismo, a comedy historical podcast where every every other week, the three of us bring you fun stories and goofs from history. I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. And this week, we'll be talking about the skeleton army that set itself up in opposition to the Salvation Army. <laughs> uh, the investigative reporter, Nellie Bly. And the kangaroo court of the Hartlepool monkey. Ooh wordy <laughs> that yeah that's a lot of words now is this a, a real monkey a fake monkey or a racist term Woo! it goes it's a folklore story mm-hmm. so to be taken with massive grains of salt about right. whether it's true or not the but, kind uh, of salt that thor brought back from the ice giants also during the napoleonic era ah, mm. the kind of napoleonic era that thor brought back from the ice giants mm-hmm and so it's not a real monkey? It is a real monkey? It is a monkey. Uh, well, history sources are vague. It may be a fictional monkey. It may be a fictional monkey. It yeah. may be a monkey-sized human. It may be just a myth that arose out of a popular folk singer okay. song. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the weeds on that one. Okay, I'm down for every part of that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get us started this week. <clears throat> so, a uh, bit of background on the Salvation Army. So, everybody knows the Salvation Army as those people in Santa hats uh, on the street corner ringing their bells and asking for donations. Uh, but before it was a bunch of Santa wannabes, uh, it was a missionary church in London uh, founded in 1865 by Methodist preacher William Booth and his wife Catherine as the East London Christian Mission. It was reorganized in 1878 introducing the military structure that it keeps to this day, uh, with Booth as its first general. Uh, So the Salvation Army literally does have ranks and a general at its head. Uh, That's terrifying. Yeah, it's worrying. Uh, Apparently that stems from uh, Booth writing a letter describing his mission as a volunteer army, and then his dad piped up from the corner uh, as he was dictating this letter, Not me! I'm a standard! Or, no, I'm a regular! So he crossed out volunteer and put in Salvation Army, and there's like, Dad. <laughs> and uh, then seemed to think the idea was a good one and uh, kept it. And so this, uh, this organization predates, like, the classical Santa Claus ringing the bells thing, or? No. Well, the Salvation Army was founded before our popular image of Santa in the red suit and hat, um came about, which was invented by the Coca-Cola Corporation in the 20s. Oh, yeah, I was just thinking if they had ranks of first Santa Claus, second Santa Claus, <laughs> you had to bust up the ranks, or uh, you had to climb through the ranks of Santa uh, Claus. To well, be... there's the Reindeer's Rifles, uh, the Elf Grenadiers, uh, and of course the Toy Maker's Sappers, All responsible for uh, felling enemy tunnels. And don't forget the Reindeer Poop Cleaner Boot Camp. Yeah, well, that's... You gotta, really you gotta go through that before you can get anywhere else. More of an institutionalized hazing than anything else. <laughs> uh, I mean, somebody's gotta clean up all that reindeer poop. Or it'll be the reindeer doing it. The cadets sneak out of their dorms at night, and they they rub the uh, 
the foot of the little tripod that holds the pot <laughs> for good luck <laughs> before their exams. Uh, it sounds like none of you guys went on field trips to West Point. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. All right. Uh, no, I did not. Nope. I thought that was a cultural reference, but apparently it's just for people who went on field trips to West, to West Point. Point. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of toe-rubbing statues and various things. Uh, but have you heard of the one at West Point? <laughs> nope. I've heard of everyone but the one at West Point. Every other one. <laughs> Uh, there's the Harvard foot, there's the Reed foot. Do you know that, that Michigan kept, you know, how they have, like, the, uh, the channel between the two parts of the state? Mm-hmm. Also, they kept it as two separate bodies making up the same state. Also, due to toe rubbing. How? I haven't the slightest idea what you mean by What are you that? talking about, Noel? I just wanted to sound like a new uh, toe rubbing <laughs> thing. I don't. And I debated whether I was going to make this up this thing about two governors of Michigan and they had a toe rub off. <laughs> Look, didn't uh, it go so hot for one of the governors, and so he he conceded the the whole his half of the state to the other governor. And that's where we get Michigan. You know, in fact, I'm sticking to that one. Okay, that's why we got Michigan. If you, uh, if you governor want to, toe rub race. If you want to learn more about Noel's erotic fan 1984. Fiction. You can uh, find out this uh, whole story on our website. Where it'll be posted in its full breathless Shirtless detail. governors. Sockless governors, too. Uh, the, uh, I hear Quentin Tarantino's optioned this for a movie already. Because <laughs> he has a foot fetish. See, I knew that. I didn't know the West Point thing. <laughs> uh, so... Salvation Army took its military modeling very seriously and created its own flag and hymns, often with words set to popular tunes from pubs of the day. Uh, Its members wore uniforms for their meetings and their missionary work. Uh, They preached against alcohol, drugs, and gambling, and their members wouldn't even take the wine that comes with the host at, uh, at communion. So they, they recruited heavily from pubs, saloons, and bars, and they'd often swoop in on the inebriated and, al- and on alcoholics as they would leave from a night of revelry uh, and, like, preach at them. Surprisingly, their ranks rapidly grew, uh, and as they grew, they met opposition in England. The first mention of the Skeleton Army is in August 1880 in Whitechapel when the Unconverted Salvation Army was founded with its flag and motto of Be Just and Fear Not. In 1881, skeleton armies were raised in Whitechapel, Exeter, and Weston Supermare, and the name quickly spread. They recognized each other through... Wait, does anyone know any of the songs from Guys and Dolls? Uh, Guys and Dolls were just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. That's what I was thinking too, but I don't think that's a real song. Uh, I was just going to sing Guys and Dolls, (laughs) Guys and Dolls, and then just change it to Skeleton Army, Skeleton (laughs) Army. (laughs) Or just loaded a... with vague. No, because well, cultural... no, the movie Guys and Dolls, mm-hmm. one of the characters, yeah. isn't it like? The the song, oh, there's it like the there's the connection. And... Isn't it like Guys and Dolls were just a bunch of crazy guys? I think that dolls. might just be from The Simpsons. I yeah, that's the thing. They're so it's so ingrained with me <laughs> that I'm just like, is that real or is that just? The do they take that? Okay, I know that Luke be a Jedi tonight is. Definitely from The Simpsons. Yes. Which is probably based on Luck Be a Lady Tonight. Yes. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you finally made a monkey. 
Skeleton <laughs> army. Skeleton <laughs> army. Uh, I would love to hear The Cure do a song about the skeleton army. Um, <laughs> Friday, I'm a skull! <laughs> Uh, so skeletons, as they call themselves, recognized each other through their insignias. Some had banners with skulls and crossbones. Some had banners with two coffins and a statement like blood and thunder, mocking the Salvation Army's blood and fire. Or they might have the three beers. Beef, beer, and baca. What is baca? Tobacco. Yeah. So let's, let's eat some hamburgers, drink, and smoke, uh, was their unofficial <laughs> motto. <laughs> Uh, their banners would also have pictures of monkeys, rats, and the devil. I like to think that they waited outside of popular, like, church venues and stuff and, like, gr- swooped in and grabbed people and were just like, Here, drink, eat, smoke! <laughs> While you're high on salvation. <laughs> you already tasted a bit of Christ's blood. Now try the rest. Mm. What was their emblem? Is it monkeys? Uh, so they had a pretty, like, disparate collection of stuff on their banners. They would have pictures of monkeys or rats or the devil. They would have coffins uh, and a statement. They would have the skull and crossbones. Uh, they they kind of had a, a motley uh, assortment of flags and banners. So did they stand for anything, or were they just anti-Salvation Army? There was anti-Salvation Army. Uh, they were mostly organized by the pub owners who were suffering from the Salvation <laughs> Army stealing their customers. Um, they didn't keep official roles because they were uh, a lot of working and middle class people and they were basically just attacking the Salvation Army. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the question? <laughs> if they stood for anything or if they were just anti. <laughs> they st- uh, beef, beer, and baca, you know? Having a good time and getting fucked up. <laughs> Maybe also, like, how cool monkeys are. I don't see any other reason they'd have a monkey on their banner. Um, so Never forget. <laughs> That'll come up later. <laughs> Guys, all our stories have monkey connection. Oh my gosh, is this the monkey episode? Uh, so skeletons would also publish gazettes, con- which were considered blasphemous, obscene, and libelous. Uh, with uh, stories about the Salvation Armies and their many sins... Uh, ribald jokes and uh, just a lot of swears, basically. Uh, I wasn't able to find a copy for um, for our show because the only scan I could find was terrible quality uh, and unreadable, and uh, I couldn't make my way to a library that would have one of them. Oops. Um, so uh, they would disrupt Salvation Army meetings and gatherings using tactics such as throwing rocks. Bones, rats, and tar. Yeah. Uh, playing music and shouting loudly. Oh, and when all else failed, they would just physically assault members of the Salvation Army. How easy is it to find a rat to throw at someone? In 1800s London? Very easy. Even in the daylight? This is the near you just reach your hand out for a shelf, and the first thing that comes to you is just a rat. You just hold it out and a rat appears. <laughs> Shake a tree, it's full of rats. Grab one out of the air. Oh, mama, the rat bushes are coming in well this spring. Oh, we'll have a beautiful rat bush for Christmas this year. Oh, yay! Remember to hang the candy canes in it to keep them sated so they don't nibble on us as we sleep. Yay! <laughs> uh, it's The records don't state whether these were alive or dead rats. Uh... I 
I like to think maybe both. That sounds right. Yeah. So uh, there are a few records of uh, actual skeleton army attacks on the Salvation Army. Uh, In November 1882, the Bethnal Green Eastern Post reported on a skeleton army attack. I quote, A genuine rabble of roughs, pure and unadulterated, has been infesting the district for several weeks past. These vagabonds style themselves the Skeleton Army. The skeletons have their collectors and their collecting sheets, and one of them was thrust into my hands. It contained a number of shopkeepers' names. I found that publicans, beer sellers, and butchers are subscribing to this imposture. The collector told me that the object of the Skeleton Army was to put down the Salvationists by following them about everywhere, by beating a drum and burlesquing their songs, to render the conduct of their processions and services impossible. Amongst the skeleton rabble, there is a large percentage of the most consummate loafers and unmitigated blackguards London can produce, worthy of the disreputable class of publicans who hate the London School Board, education, and temperance, and who, seeing the beginning of the end of their immoral traffic, and prepared for the most desperate enterprise. Uh. Oh my gosh, I love the image of a Salvation Army parade, and then just like a rogue parade comes with a drum just offbeat to screw them up. It's like shouting out numbers when someone's trying to count something. You throw a rat at the big drum to throw the beat off. (laughs) They bring a drum, you bring a rat. They bring a pipe, you bring a trumpet. They bring a crossbow, you bring some eggs filled with blue paint. So they, uh, they, which brings me to my next point. So yeah, um, so at Bethnal Green, flour, rotten eggs, stone, uh, flour, rotten eggs, stones, and brickbats were amongst things used on the Salvation Army, and Salvationists were also beaten. However, they would also fill eggs with blue paint and throw them at the Salvation Army members to stain their uniforms. That's mean. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, as word of the trouble in Bethnal Green spread, uh, skeleton riots took place in other parts of Britain. Uh, in April 1884, the owner of an alcohol shop in Worthington objected to Salvation Army criticism concerning the selling of alcoholic beverages, and 4,000 skeletons joined together uh, in direct opposition to the Salvation Army. They painted uh, black, sticky tar onto the wall of an alley which the entrance to the Salvation Army barracks shared with the alcohol shop. Which, uh, as the, like, Salvation Army members would come out, like, the black tar would just get all over their nice blue uniforms. Um, and there again, they threw eggs full of blue point paint at them. Uh, many in Worthington uh, approved of these confrontational activities, but the Salvation Army continued unabated. Um, now, on Sunday, the 17th of August, 1884, the police, the Salvation Army, and the Skeleton Army confronted each other in Worthing. For an hour, the police kept the peace, and then the skeletons rioted. Uh, The area was filled with screaming men, brick dust, and broken glass. Salvationists returned to their barracks, and the skeletons tried to burn it down. Uh, The landlord, George Head, a Salvation Army supporter, defended his property and the people there with a revolver, wounding several skeletons. He was later brought before the magistrates on a charge of feloniously and maliciously wounding a young man named Oliver. So... Uh, the, the police were at first unhelpful, and the commissioner, Sir Edmund Henderson, denied that anything had happened. 
There's just seven injured people in a felonious, uh, what's that. his name? <laughs> Cloud of brick dust coming through. Nothing to see here. Happens all the time. A skeleton army sounds like you've been reading too many dime store penny dreadfuls. This place was splattered blue the whole time. <laughs> blue and red, that's what we call this area. Blue, the old blue and red neighborhood. Not blood or paint at all. Mm-mm. Um... So, several Salvation Army members were arrested because of this and charged with inciting uh, skeletons to riot, but they were successfully defended uh, against that charge, saying that they had no intent to cause riots with their charitable activity. Um, Eventually, the public demanded action, and the skeleton riots in London were put down. Uh, Skeleton riots continued elsewhere in Britain until 1893, when they eventually faded out. Um... Yeah, that is the story of the skeleton army. That was a lot sadder than I thought. Yeah, you hear skeleton army and you think, oh cool, some rad skeletons playing flutes that they shouldn't be able to play and marching around and fighting zombies, maybe. With one, like, skeleton at the front, like, using his own forearm as, like, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh... The baton. The yeah. baton, yeah. One of them playing his ribs like a xylophone. No, it was just a, a lot a of... A rat on the inside of the ribcage making all other xylophone noises. That rat is a general. His name is Scampers McGregor, and he led us to the greatest victory we ever saw. Do you think Skeleton Army just is making me think of uh, Army of the Dead? Oh, from uh, Evil Dead? Yeah. Oh, God, I love that movie so much. I was thinking Pirates from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I have a friend who, on his Facebook wall, all he does with Facebook is post pictures of ske- spooky skeletons dancing. That's the entirety of what he uses Facebook for. And this whole time I was reading this, this uh, article, like, you know, Matt would really enjoy this whole conceit. And then he would get very mad that they weren't actually dressed like spooky skeletons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. One day. <laughs> so, uh, what methods would you use to fight the Salvation Army? These charitable, peaceful people just <laughs> trying to do their work. Yeah. Hmm. I would probably set up a, um, like a happy hour system, perhaps, or um, just give away alcohol for like the first hour a pub is open to entice people to come in. And it sounds like the people in this town are easily swayed one way or the other. <laughs> I mean, this is this is all over England. My analysis remains the same. Um, so I think they could be easily persuaded by just free alcohol. Okay. Yeah, cheap one pence beer nights. I mean, that's more expensive than alcohol was at the time. I don't know. I don't know how, good, <laughs> what is, how does it work? Uh, a okay. shilling is a shilling worth more or less. A than shilling a pence. is much, much more. A half tiddly bit. Okay, you would it'd be more like a groat, I'd say, a or groat. a few groats. A few groats. Yeah, there's now, how many groats in a tiddly bit? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of groats in a puppet. In a puppet, puppet. Call back to episode nine that I just finished editing. Uh, uh, someday I'm going to look up that whole how Europe currency works in general. Because like I would just read books that would be like shilling, a crown, a pence, a half pence which i think i know what that well there's is, two but... half pence to a pence oh my god wow i would Stop never have figured presses. it out i've got a, a three penny bit somewhere 
but like when it gets up to into like shillings and crowns and farthings then, yeah yeah so one pence beer night would be very expensive, <laughs> prohibitively expensive. Well, I guess the Salvation Army's been campaigning here. Beer's a whole pence. Oh, I can't get drunk on this. My accent's offensive and vaguely Australian. Um, I think I would attack the Salvation Army by making identical uniforms and calling myself the real Salvation Army, but then I would like accost people who are leaving at a bar and then, like, bring them to another bar <laughs> and really just confuse the message of which Salvation Army was which. A real false flag operation. Yep. I would dress a pile of rats as a man so they would think that it was a drunk guy who couldn't, like, walk well, and then they'd recruit him and they'd grow to love him. And he'd be working on the inside. He'd, he'd reveal at some point that he's just a pile of rats and they'd all jump on him. And then just the, the morale blow alone from that. They'll be let, so disappointed. Let alone the disease. <laughs> like, I thought yeah. Mr. Whiskers was coming around to salvation. I thought Charles Whiskers was really hearing the message. He married one of our other members. He's always squeaking along to our hymns. I like to think that his reveal is just, he like, is leaning backwards and just, just like, splits in that, tips in half. And just rats go everywhere. It's also the night that he gets elected to, like, some chair position or something. And they're all toasting off. Our toast to Charles, proudest member deep within the Salvation Army and definitely not a whole pile of rats all sewn together. That's how he got them, because he got them to drink alcohol toasting him. Oh. He's been working against them from the inside the whole time. No, I was imagining they just had giant pieces of toast and like little tiny wine flutes that they would... Yeah, and that was the temptation that those rats couldn't resist anymore. Yep. Started going after the bread and the eyes. Because <laughs> you gotta put... You gotta spread something on your bread. No. <laughs> Maybe you could also do some Beauty and the Beast-like thing where you make them get be rude to an enchantress and she turns the entire Salvation Army into cheap old appliances and goods that you would get at a Salvation Goodwill Army store. Goodwill store. Those organizations are not affiliated. Oh, yeah, they're not affiliated. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> And a bottle of rats. Also, I don't think they'd sell talking appliances. <laughs> no, well, obviously people are buying those ones up first. So I, I, I feel like a Toxworth or a or a Chandelier, 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 Luminaire, Lumiere, 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 or a Mister Potts. I thought you were just really not saying Chandelier correctly, <laughs> and I was like, I want to wait until it happens. Chandelier. Uh, I think I think that would be more horrifying Shanty than anything else. Shant- old Shanty Claus, not the skeleton army version of Santa Claus, when where the skeletons would dress as a horrifying Krampus on the street corner and solicit <laughs> donations for beer. <laughs> ah, the past. <laughs> skeleton army. Skeleton army. So, uh, who was going second? <laughs> I'll go second. Yay! So you guys may have heard of Nellie Bly in your social studies classes. 
Oh. The uh, West Point attendee. That's what I was going to say. This is just for kids who went to West Point. You went to West Point Military Academy? I went on a field trip oh. to West Point Military Academy. Well, that would explain her flawless drill precision yeah. Yeah, and her use of violence for most conflicts. Oh, you should have seen her. Jackie tried to pop my arm out of its socket this weekend. Oh, yes. <laughs> But why? So we were at a wedding. We were dancing. And the DJ says, ladies, grab a man or whatever. So naturally I grab Noel's arm. And put him into a submission um, hold. Yes. I didn't get there yet. Because he didn't want to dance. And then the DJ said, shake it sexy for him. And I was like, that's gross. She did, no, she got the most like like pan- like play panic look in her face. of Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> So then I just grabbed his arm and shook it until he was brought to the ground. <laughs> like, it was ri- like, it, it was like, at first it started, I was standing up and I was like, this is silly. I'm going to pretend that, like, I'm starting to, like, be knocked down by it. But it got, like, the shaking got so bad that as soon as I went down to the ground, I couldn't get back up. <laughs> and so I had my other hand on the floor to stabilize myself. And all the my- while, Jackie's just shaking my arm with, like, an increasingly, like, fake panic look in her eyes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, wonderful. So, how is this related to your assault on Noel? It's unrelated, except oh. except for um, oh yeah. So it was like just weird sexist DJ who's like ladies yeah ladies shake it sexy and I didn't want to do that just like (laughs) Nellie Bly who was born as Elizabeth Jane Cochran um, she lived in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and she was reading the local paper the Pittsburgh Dispatch and she read an aggressively misogynistic column entitled what girls are good for um, the article, as you can imagine, discouraged uh, participation in civic life and business and stuff and kind of was just like, stay in the home. Uh, and she was like, no, I'm going to shake you by the arm until you fall on the ground <laughs> by way of uh, writing a scathing response into the newspaper. And the newspaper editor was so impressed by her response that he... Um, he put out an ad in the paper and was like, whoever wrote under the pseudonym Lonely Orphan Girl, please let me know who you are. Um, so she wrote in and identified herself. And he was like, I would like you to publish a full-length rebuttal to this article. And she did. And it, they liked it so much that they gave her a full-time job writing for the paper. Rad. Pretty cool. And now I'm a professional dancer. <laughs> I just shake people's arms until they fall to the ground. We're so Fired alike. by your hero, Nellie Bly. I just keep imagining that's like the equivalent now of reading an editorial on the New York Times and posting a comment and then somehow becoming an author and a reporter after that. It just seems so ridiculous. Yeah. And you, plus you get to make all the little cartoons you want that are like two dogs talking about economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seemed like such a small-town cute way of becoming a writer to me. Um, So she started writing under the pen name Nellie Bly. Um, Yes. Is that where Whoa Nellie comes from? 
No. It's not. Fair enough. Because <laughs> people were, like, so impressed by her writing. They were like, whoa, Nelly, you blew my mind. Well, she actually took the pseudonym from a song called Nelly Bly. Nelly was spelled differently. Um, but the editor made a mistake in her spelling of Nelly. Um, so her pseudonym became Nelly with a Y instead of an IE. And I read the song. I read the lyrics of the song. They weren't anything special. It was just about this woman who dances. <laughs> um, so anyway, she becomes a staff reporter for the Dispatch, and she starts writing about the plight of working women. Um, she did a series of investigative articles on women in factories. Um, but the newspaper kind of was pressuring her to do more, um, more kind of like fluff pieces, more things about theater and fashion and things like that. And gardening, too. Um, but she wasn't really into that. So she was like, I want to go to Mexico. So she did. She went to Mexico for six months, and she reported on the um, the lives of the Mexican people. And then she started writing about how oppressive the government was and how they unfairly treated their journalists. And then she, uh, you know, received threats from the Mexican government and had to go back to America. <laughs> And she just said 21 years old. She just up and moved to Mexico for six months. Man. It was pretty cool. I, uh, when I was 21 years old, I, uh, moved back in with my parents after college. Did you write about how oppressive they were? No, I, uh, didn't have the guts. They, uh, they have a tendency to kill journalists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Poor journalist brother. <laughs> Older Max. <laughs> I'm named after him. <laughs> <laughs> so Nellie moves back to Pittsburgh, and her newspaper keeps putting her on the more fluffy women's articles. So she decides that she's going to go move to New York and try and make it there. Um, and she does not have much luck. She can't find a job for four months. She's basically penniless. So she, as like a last-ditch effort, just walks into a, uh, the office of a newspaper and just kind of talks her way into meeting the editor. <laughs> now, uh, it was pretty impressive. Now you look like a smart, smart person. You need to hire me, Nelly Bly, because I'm the greatest reporter you'll ever meet. How can you tell? I, I ask you. Well, I wouldn't be talking to you if I wasn't a great reporter, would I? Because you're the editor of a major paper. Think about it. Your time's valuable. Why are you talking to somebody if, you, if they weren't a, a great reporter? Now, I must be a great reporter because since you're talking to me. QED! Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> I think it should be noted that the guy who went, yeah, that does make sense, was actually Joseph Pulitzer, who I assume the Pulitzer Prize is named after. Mm, that doesn't sound right. Boy, he's got a dumb voice. <laughs> it seems to be easily duped. <laughs> I started this prize because I wanted to inspire journalists who would not be as easily tricked or duped as me. Joseph Pulitzer. I, who reported upon the horse that could talk that was just two dudes in a horse suit. <laughs> Don't follow my mistakes. Win my prize. The Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> <laughs> so Nellie convinces him that she should go undercover for her next story. Mm -hmm. As a horse? No. No? No, no, no. no horse. Okay. Uh, a I mean, giant collection of rats. 
As a skeleton army. No. As a as a monkey. As an insane person. Ooh. Because she wanted to do a story about the unfair treatment of people in insane asylums. Oh, cool. So this is what I thought she was the most famous for. I remember learning about it in history class as a, as a student, you know, in mm. the uh, West Point. Oh, she was one area. of the, the muckrakers, wasn't she? She was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I so, always, I always, uh, I can only ever remember Upton Sinclair of the of the muckrakers and i always feel bad about only remembering one of those of the like a really cool group of heroic journalists yeah but he did write about how people were accidentally like cooking and eating people in factories so kind of sticks that out. sounds pretty important too yeah the jungle is a pretty horrific book mm. sorry please go on no no it's, it's totally fine um yeah so she checked herself into a boarding she took a room at a boarding house mm-hmm. and she um just acted very strangely until the other boarders called the police on her. <laughs> how hard, How far do you think she had to escalate that before they did, They went and called the police? Well, it says that she spent the night practicing deranged expressions in front of the mirror before she went to the boarding house. Okay, I feel like just deranged expressions is, shouldn't be enough to get you sent to the, the, the asylum. Well, the article I read said that she refused to go to sleep, and she told the boarders that she was afraid of them and that they all looked crazy. And then they were all like, we're not crazy, you're crazy, <laughs> and called the police. Yep. <laughs> so they just felt bullied into it. <laughs> That's it. No. Well, no, we're not, we're not the crazy, you're crazy. It's like, yeah. no, you're not, wait, we're not murderers, you're a murderer. You're a murderer. <laughs> get out of here, murderer. Go on, get. Go on, you silly goose. <laughs> so the police take her to the court system. Mm-hmm. So now she goes in front of a bunch of judges and a bunch of physicians who all say, yep, she's insane, even though she's just pretending the whole time. Mm-hmm. And in um, Bellevue Hospital, they call her undoubtedly insane um, and positively demented. The craziest lady I've ever done seen. Mm-hmm. Crazier than a sack full of rats in a man costume. <laughs> Basically, so she gets committed to Bellevue. Um, and... She just experiences everything firsthand. She's there for 10 days. They pretty much were very, very cruel to the to the inmates. They're mm. not called inmates. I don't know what they're called. I'm going to go patients? with inmates. Mm. They were not treated like patients. Let's go with residents. At an insane asylum, are they inmates, residents, or patients? The article I read called them patients, but to call their conditions anything that has like a tinge of health to it is like not accurate they were given spoiled food dirty water um they were just made to sit on hard benches for hours and hours not allowed to talk go ahead change mine from patients to uh inmates yeah gonna stick with inmates yeah i that sounds like the opposite of what you do with a patient that sounds like what you do to someone you want to die yeah they weren't allowed to talk to each other they didn't hear news of the outside world the ones who were um not well behaved or violent or something like that mm-hmm. though like who wouldn't be in conditions like that um were just tied together not we just together not even to like i don't maybe they were tied to something but they were just like tied like, uh, it, it seems it's, it's very really sad weird. and awful but at the same time i have an image in my head of just a a katamari of uh of inmates and that's kind of a fun image is that the rolling ball yeah. that just picks, up, picks other up stuff? Na 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 inmate damasi. 
Yeah. Oh, those poor people. Mm-hmm. And the nurses were It wasn't, it wasn't as fun as that. <laughs> Sorry, go it on. It never looked fun in that game for the people <laughs> that got picked up. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, ten days later, her newspaper comes by and is like, hey, do you remember that woman that no one knew her name who was insane? She's actually our reporter. Please let her out. Um, and they did. And she published a huge expose about the horrible treatment of the inmates. Well, they weren't like, nah, she's definitely crazy. Go get out of here. In fact, you might be crazy, too, if you keep saying that. If you get my meaning. Well, they probably, I would imagine they at first were like, what are you talking about? This is one of our patients. But Wink. I'm sure I'm sure they had enough proof. They probably had an ID or like yeah. a photo or something. Oh, man. Can you imagine going in there and. You have to have a good extraction plan yeah. before you go yeah. undercover like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, definitely one you can't get yourself out from the, uh, like 10 days ago. She's just like, all right, guys, it was just an act. And I was like, Well, part yeah. of her derangement act was to um, pretend to experience amnesia. So maybe she could have like pretended she remembered or something if they really thought she was insane. But they probably wouldn't believe her if she had already said that she was herself never mind this yeah. this plot has if told. she's like i'm a reporter i'm just, i i checked myself in here on purpose to report on you sure, sure you, you did, did. <laughs> so did she not get so she because she wrote it under the pseudonym when she came before the court system she used like her her real name or? she didn't use any name oh okay or they probably used whatever she checked into the boarding house with yeah. but i think it was fake yeah so anyway this led to actual like real change um they increased the budget for the Department of Public Charities and Corrections um, by $850,000, which is a lot in 1880. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a grand jury launched an investigation into the conditions of the asylum, and Bly was an assistant for that. Um, so she she really was a real muckraker. Muckraker. Muckraker, yeah. Muckraker. Muckraker. A muckraker. Yeah, um, yeah, and it led to some real changes. Um, so she went undercover a lot after that. She exposed crooked lobbyists in government. She tracked the plight of unwanted babies. She mm-hmm. reported conditions of poor workers in a and box-making all, factory. Went undercover as a senator, as a box-maker, and as a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just dressed up in a big old diaper and said, Goo goo gaga! Congratulations, Mrs. Smith. It's a girl. A hundred and twenty-four pound girl. At least it's not a pile of rats. Like that last patient. Boy, that was embarrassing. Meanwhile, the baby's dead her job reporting. And then like, they, go, they go to Mrs. Smith like, oh, man, I'm like that last page. They look down at Mrs. Smith, just a bunch of rats just flee into the walls. We should have tied that patient into the big inmate ball. Oh, that's so sad. When will we start doing things right at this hospital? Oh. So what I bet you're all wondering right now is, Jackie, didn't you say this story had something to do with a monkey? Where where's the monkey coming Where, in? Where's our monkey, Jackie? Where's the monkey? Where's the monkey? Where's the monkey, Jackie? I, I will tell you. Where did you put it? Where's the, show me the monkey? I have to say the monkey is probably dead since this happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's buried though. I. I... <laughs> anyway, so in eighteen, <laughs> you said Bear. show me the monkey. Show me the monkey, Jackie. I can't exhume it. I can't exhume it. I don't know. Can't or won't, Jackie? <laughs> Both. 
That monkey's deserved its final rest. So in 1888, uh, Nellie Bly is like the toast of the town. Her articles now have her name in the headline because it'll attract people to read it more than whatever the article's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just like this awesome reporter. Everyone loves her. And she's like, you know what I want to do? I want to see if the Jules Verne book Around the World in 80 Days is realistic or not. So she's like, I'm just going to go around the world. And she got the newspaper to pay for it. And they made it into this whole publicity stunt where they were like, guess the exact time when Nellie Bly gets back to the newspaper office. (laughs) So she went off on a a whirlwind adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this time, she was working for the New York World. And Cosmopolitan Magazine said, we want to get in on this action. So they sent out one of their reporters, Elizabeth um, Bisley, I think was her last name, Bisland. Liz the Biz. Liz Biz. Yes, Elizabeth Bisland. So they sent her around the world, but going in the opposite direction. And then they collided in the middle with a sound like two coconuts going clunk. I don't know if they met, but they were basically racing each other around the world. Also tried to get it under 80 days. Um, And while going around the world, that's when she bought a monkey. And that's Just just bought a monkey for for company or for meat? I think company more than meat. I don't know if those are the only two options. Company first, but meat in a pinch. Well, maybe as a, first, as a first mate, maybe? Just needed somebody to check the rigging just in case of the hot air balloon? She didn't take a hot air balloon. She took a train and some boats. Mm. No hot air balloon, Probably a huh? car. I don't know. I gotta say, that monkey was not pulling its weight on that trip. But there was, like, no planning involved in this trip. She proposed the story and then two days later left. <laughs> just insane sounds to me like she was on the run from some trouble maybe she offended the monkey mafia in New York had to make an just had to be out of town for two and a half months and then be back and be welcomed back monkeys don't remember that much she had to make she had to make an ape escape (laughs) oh god Waka waka. Yeah. <laughs> so she makes it back to New York in 72 days. So she beat the 80 days. Um, and Elizabeth uh, arrived seven days later. Oh, sorry. Four days later. And they left at the same time? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or I think, I think Elizabeth left a little bit behind. Okay. Who knows if she had two days notice or more than two days notice or less than two days notice. Cosmopolitan was just like, who's on call right now? Go, go, go. Get out of here. Who wants to go around the world? You, Liz. Go. (laughs) Um, yes. So when Nellie got back, the the world, the newspaper she was working for, did not offer her a bonus. And she was like, look at how much readership I got you. So she quit. Because she didn't get a bonus. Um, and, but she was so popular from this. She started doing lecture tours. She published her book about her journey. She started being on trading cards and board games. And her face was just like on a ton of different products. What board games? What was Trading was, cards. Trading cards. Well, board imagining games. that the trading cards are all of her, but in different aspects. Like what series of trading cards is that? Yeah. I imagine. It's kind of like um, in Harry Potter where they have the famous wizards that are in the candies. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. like that. That is a children's book about wizards. 
Yeah, part of it is based on real life. Okay, that based, part specific. Yeah, the chocolate frogs, the chocolate frog candies that come to life and hop hop away are the real part. The cards aren't. Okay, how about baseball cards? Those are real. Okay, I guess you. Okay, that makes sense. But um, yeah, so they probably had them for other famous people too. I actually think I had a set of like presidential Trading collecting cards. cards. Okay. So I imagine it was something along those lines. I was just thinking, like, it was sold individually, or was it like a pack of like famous journalists' cards. Possibly. Ah. Nellie Bly cool. and her magical monkey. <laughs> Liz Bisley, with her face crossed out. <laughs> Not important. So Nellie ends up uh, quitting journalism because her um, her brother passed away, and she needed to go take care of his family. Um, which is a little disappointing. But then she married a millionaire ma- manufacturer named Robert Seaman. And <laughs> he was 52 years her senior. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I can't do math. He was 42 years her senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and she became the president of his manufacturing company called the Ironclad Manufacturing Company. Oh, um, and they not- made a bunch of steel containers. Not what, Max? Not, not, what? not what? Not what? Tell us. What is it? What is it? Not what? <laughs> not the semen arms? Uh, not, uh... <laughs> not the semen motor pool? I'm not getting these jokes. Not, uh... Not the drop of semen? I get that one. <laughs> um, so she became a very powerful industrialist. Um, and she invented a new milk barrel. <laughs> she's got a patent for a milk barrel. <laughs> so she's leading this company. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that people inside are embezzling money. So the company folds. They're embezzling from semen. <laughs> yep. Running out, just putting all these semen in their pockets and anywhere they can fit it. And just. Yeah. So Nellie, <laughs> Nellie decides to go on vacation, and she goes to visit her friend in Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then World War I breaks out. Oh. So she turns her vacation into a five-year uh, stint as a war correspondent. And she became the first female war correspondent. Oh, awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then in 1922, she died of pneumonia. And then so did Elizabeth Bisland. <sighs> And now they're buried in Longwood Cemetery. Something else you would know if you were from that area of New York. Around the grave in 80 days. Yeah, wait, how long after did uh, Bisland die? Seven years, but it was still after. But it was the same. And of the same cause. Of the same cause, always running behind. Mm. Seven days or seven years, Liz Biz. You can't catch up. But you can catch pneumonia. So, Nellie Bly, wonderful uh, investigative reporter who kicked off a lot of social change, and she was the first woman war correspondent. Very cool. Also has a milk jug patent. Rad. And a monkey buried at an undisclosed location. I only saw mention of the monkey once in less than a whole sentence. Which, when you said you didn't know where it was buried, I was like, huh, how deep does this monkey story go? Not deep, because I only had half a sentence as reference material. Yeah. I have a feeling he wasn't buried. 
He was eaten. He was shot out of a cannon. Wouldn't that be cool if she got a monkey and then it joined the circus? Oh, that wasn't what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, is this a war <laughs> reference? It's, I mean, I, I, she and Liz obviously, uh, you know, fought in the air against each other from their hot air balloons. <laughs> <laughs> she bought the monkey as a boarding party and shot it onto Liz's balloon and yeah. slashed it up and rode it to the ground. <laughs> That brave yeah. suicidal monkey. Yeah, I'm ima- I was imagining a similar similar situation with, uh, uh, what Liz Bisland, like, you know, has, is in uh, is in the air balloon and she's prying her fingers off and it's like getting close and she's got one hand left and then the monkey just jumps on Liz's face as <laughs> he just goes down in a huge fire over New York City <laughs> and. Nelly climbs up and like looks down and sees the monkey riding Liz to the ground and just like just with a thumbs up thumbs up and nods and she gives the thumbs up slowly back and nods back. <laughs> Were there any fires in New York City around that time? Because if so, I think we know what happened, and I think we've got a movie idea. <laughs> I hear I hear Spielberg's looking for some scripts. Ooh. How will he ever be able to pass this one up? So, (laughs) the monkey is obviously not the most interesting part of Nelly's life, but it is the most monkey-related one. That's true. If you had to go undercover to investigate some corruption like Nelly did, uh, what would you go undercover for? Or, you know, I I don't have to be the one asking the question, too. Of a contemporary issue or like something back then dealer's choice my man Ooh, all right i would go undercover to investigate abuse in the puppy farm industry are you dressed as a giant puppy i mean that's yeah no i'd be i'd be i mean i'd be a dog i need access to all the areas and they don't want the puppies you know go around from block to block cell block to cell block Got to be a got to be a guard dog, and you know the puppies will hate you, but you know you can you can win a few over, unless they riot. Little puppy riot would be so cute. Just throwing like, rats. It's like midnight, and you're and you're the guard dog, and you're just walking around like your tail's thumping off jail bars like a like a baton, and then all of a sudden you just hear this like rushing noise, and you look down in the distance at like the barely lit hallway, and you're like. What's that? What's that? And then this huge wave of puppies comes around the corner. And they just come boiling down the hallway. A tide of dachshunds. Oh, this is the best way. They use their little long noodly bodies to tie you up. They're extra springy because they're puppies. It really doesn't sound like you're trying to undercover or, like, you know, expose anything here. It sounds like you just want to be on the inside and have access to all the puppies. Look, I never say I wouldn't, like, fall in love and lose uh-huh. my objectivity. Like, that's that's a given, man. I'm in too deep. <laughs> so, Jackie, what would you try to benefit or at least personally gain from? <laughs> I... I haven't given too much thought for what I would do, but this does remind me of the uh, somewhat tone-deaf undercover action of the Tyra Banks show, if you all recall that talk show hosted by Tyra Banks, 
where in an effort to understand how overweight people are treated, she wore a fat suit and just brought up her perceived weight to anyone she interacted with um, in an attempt to provoke people into treating her badly, um, which was... So you would infiltrate the Tyra Banks show. Perhaps. And kind of just like be in a producer's meeting and be like, but why? <laughs> but why? Like, so I understand discrimination on body size and things like that is real. But perhaps maybe not use such stilted language in trying to provoke people to comment on it. Maybe follow the same rules that cops do vis-a-vis entrapments. <laughs> you know, get get people to uh, to say, you know, to come up with it on their own and identify themselves. Yeah, And you have to tell them they... <laughs> <laughs> I am Tyra Banks in a fat suit. Only if they ask, though. If they ask, oh, only are you Tyra if... Banks in a fat suit? Yeah, I have to tell them where it's entrapment. Well, if they say, are you Tyra Banks, do you have to say yes? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're Tyra Banks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, it's entrapment. Yeah. But I don't have to mention the fat suit. I can just say, yes, I am Tyra Banks. Yeah, yeah. That See, even that would be an interesting... Thing that I would watch people react to meeting Tyra Banks looking entirely different than how you think she would be, but knowing it's her, I think that would be an interesting thing to watch, more so than her provoking people into commenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, the spirit of Nellie Bly did not quite translate to that segment of the Tyra Banks show. <laughs> oh, especially not when they uh, tied a bunch of fat people together. Nellie Bly would have been very much against that. Definitely. (laughs) I think most people would be against that. Yeah, I mean... Except for those darn producers of the Tyra Banks show. It's television gold. Uh, Only I got to the studio earlier. Human rights poison. Uh, What would you do, Noel? Uh, Thinking about it, I'm not... uh, I don't know. Probably some form of, like, ant-like animal abuse thing dress up like a horse and go to a racetrack oh dress up like a horse and try and set the record straight in in mr pulitzer's interview no dress up like a horse and try and get a law degree all great ideas dress up like a horse and be part of parades dress up like a horse and and try and legislate about parades dress up as a horse and try and get people to comment on that you're a horse now have you noticed that i'm a horse Oh, it's like, just go around, like, kicking people with my back legs. Ow, that's stupid. Oh, that horse kicked me with his legs. It's like, how dare you? Are how you, dare you? Are you treating me different because I'm a horse? Are you saying that I can't watch over your children while you're at work because I'm a horse? How dare you? Dare you, sir. How dare you? I ought to trample your children for this gross injustice. <laughs> uh, and then you get to report on how horses are treated in the uh, prison industry. Yeah. Now on your first day in a horse prison, you gotta take down the biggest, fastest stallion they got. You might be only a third of their size, maybe maybe half with the big latex costume on, but you gotta be able to take them down, man. Make sure to whittle something into a horse shiv. Like my hoof. <laughs> File down my hoof into a little tiny shiv and deep. No horseshoes allowed in prison. No horseshoes. <laughs> Dewey's are making horseshoes. Oh. Uh, but it'd be way easier to smuggle in cigarettes. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, in your empty costume. Yeah. Uh, no, in your horse anus. Oh, then <laughs> I just pull all the cigarettes out of the horse anus and be like, wait a minute. Horses don't smoke. <laughs> These are worth nothing. And why did I put them up my anus instead of the costume horse anus? So we have desecrated Nellie Blythe's uh, legacy, huh? Haven't we? She deserved better. <laughs> and why did I? Why didn't I leave him in the package too? Well, at least I've got ah. this portrait of Nellie Blythe to inspire me. Sorry, Nellie. Wow, yeah. Whoa, Nellie. I was waiting for it. Yeah, there was. Came back around. Oh. So, no, tell us about your monkey. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, the uh, the trifecta. All right, well. Triple monkey episode. Triple monkey, triple monkey episode. There's three monkeys. Well, this is a monkey story that ends in tragedy. Tragedy and monkey story. Sad, sad monkey story. Crying. Tragedy. Crying monkey tears. So like us. They're just so wet like bananas. <laughs> you would never go hungry as long as you were sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sad because I eat too many bananas. <laughs> but there are so many bananas. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. I'm an enabler. <laughs> I mean, technically, I'm a gorilla. And in Apler. Uh, so tell us your monkey story. God, in Apler. Jesus Christ. So uh, this is a sort of a folklore uh, story that emerged out of a place uh, called Hartlepool in England. And in the early 19th century, during the Napoleonic War, there's a lot of obvious... Uh, Tension from coastal English cities. Um, and one of these cities, Hartlepool, saw a French uh, ship, um, or at least just the ship that they, they knew wasn't flying any English flags. And the ship was just in the bay, and it didn't seem to be, it appeared to be a shipwreck. Um, and so uh, when the citizens, you know, rushed to the wreckage to, you know, Check it out. Yeah, try, try and get some treasure. Try to get some, ooh, some wreckage treasure just floating around. Mm, that good wreckage. So they found no survivors except... A man filled with rats. Uh, no, he didn't make it. A regular horse, but a what? It's two men in a horse costume. <laughs> but it's really rats inside men's suits. Oh, there's so, Whoa. so many layers. Um, so the people of Hartlepool found a monkey that was apparently dressed in a little tiny, uh, military style uniform, which they supposed was for, uh, entertaining the French sailors. So. <laughs> it would work. So. Yeah, no, that's, I'd, I'd be into that. So as this, this folklore goes is that, um, political, uh, any sort of, uh, political cartoons at the time. Uh, would often depict uh, French people as, as just, yeah, like really savage, hairy beasts. 
And so the speculation is that when this monkey came ashore in a little tiny French uniform, they thought that it was a French spy who was would get to shore and begin immediately blending in with the people because, you know, how much he looked alike uh, to them. He was wearing a uniform. How is he going to blend in? Uh, he was probably going to change on the ship. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, Jackie. Sorry. Yeah. Clearly, the the people of Hartlepool did not really think this through and logically come to the conclusion that they had, in fact, a real French spy instead of, you know, an ape. Uh, a monkey, like a hairy child. A monkey. Um, so, they, uh, they held a trial. And the defendant in this trial was this shipwrecked monkey. And, uh... So, where were the people on the boat? Were there dead bodies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surely they could have compared a dead body to the monkey. I don't know, because it said it was just wreckage, but I imagine that the sailors would have had to have either have found it. Didn't say it, it just said among the wreckage, maybe, maybe which I imagine. Maybe they got away in lifeboats. Maybe they got away in lifeboats. Oh, that's and true. And then left their little monkey friend. I mean, Hold the fort, chimps! <laughs> Hold the fort! The the chimpanzee goes down with the ship. He's the captain. He was oh the captain. Oh my He's god, the they captain. executed a captain. Well, either that or he was in the band. Oh, yeah. The band plays at six. He's just got those little cymbals. Clap, 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 clap. Oh, no. I hope he wasn't part of a full band. It was more of a one man show. So, the, uh, yeah, so, I mean, not surprisingly. Monkey really didn't have a good defense or, you know, ability to answer questions you know, put forward by the court. So. You know, they, you'd think that the French Navy would uh, train its officers to speak English. No. That was old, old iron chimps. <laughs> Always <laughs> flouting the naval laws and recommendations. Yeah, so... Uh, he really, he really uh, was... He really angered Apollyon. Apollyon. We're nodding. <laughs> Apollyon. Banana party. Ah, there we go. Oh. <laughs> um, so the court finds the verdict as guilty. and uh, Did they name the monkey? They did not name the monkey. They did not give it any name. They merely dragged it to the town square and hanged it. Well. Yeah. What a waste of a monkey. Yeah, he could have used that monkey to he attack somebody on a hot air balloon. Yeah, they could have tried to flip him to turn to a spy for the, against the French. Double agent. And then when the monkey... Sorry, sorry. Double agent. Ah. And then when that monkey rolled up into France again, they would have welcomed him and be like, Ah, oh, is you are welcome as a conqueror. <laughs> Would you like some uh, juice? Juice squeezed from fresh oranges? We call it orangutan. Would you? <laughs> you really bonoboed that one up. Oh. <laughs> Jackie's just not happy with either of us. No, I she's like not. monkey puns when I do them. <laughs> Well, that's fair. So, um, so that's how the folklore goes. The more realistic interpretation is much sadder that it was probably a small boy because at that time uh, they ha- would have children on the ships to man or to assist with cannons and various tasks around the ships, and those uh, small boys were called powder monkeys. Mm-hmm. 
So they wondered if this is where it emerged from. Oh, um, that sounds that sounds true. That sounds so true. That's so sad. Yeah, <laughs> they were I just mean, like, oh, this little French monkey, and it's but, just a kid loading cannons where for it, the war effort. Well, he he was promised a shiny medal when he got home. A shiny metal shaped like a banana. That's all he ever wanted. <laughs> oh, God. Well, anyway, uh, the better news is that this whole event likely did not happen at all because um, it began to get into popular culture um, sometime later. I have to see if this does not say if it was later on that s- in the 20th or 19th century that there was um, a famous uh, songwriter who had a song about the monkey that was hung in the town square. And so they think that it might have just been some weird, weird story that was not actually based in any truth. Or that they hung a small boy. Or that they hung a monkey. Either way, gross injustices all around. Mm -hmm. But... The that town. monkey was entitled to an ape tourney. Give me that high five right there. Jackie is nodding and showing clear approval of my words and actions. Go on. Um, but the uh, the town, uh, Hartlepool, has really... I guess they have not had a lot else going on in their, their history because they have really... Uh, they have hung to this story throughout the past 200 years. And on the so. anniversary, they hang a monkey. <laughs> Every year. It's a real Wicker Man situation. Um, yeah, so at uh, Hartlepool football matches, um, people, rivals will chant, um, uh, who hung the monkey <laughs> can be heard. Um, Unfortunate. Implications. The Hartlepool United mascot is a monkey called Hangus the monkey. H apostrophe Angus. Um, and the local <laughs> rugby union team, the Rovers, are known as the monkey hangers. There was a mayor, Stuart Drummond, who in 2002 wore the costume of Hangus the monkey using the election slogan, Free Bananas for School Children. So I guess his costume was a monkey who was dressed as a person. So it was a person, possibly made of rats, dressed as a monkey, dressed as a person. All wrapped up in a big old horse. So many layers. Yup. Um, and so, yeah, he, he went... And he rode that costume to victory. I feel like that town was like, oh god, the world is laughing at us. We have to make it sound like we're in on the joke. We gotta own Quick, this, guys, guys. Name everything after this monkey. Oh, so the songwriter Ned Corvin. But... They can't be laughing at us if we're also laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big old banana tear falls <laughs> down. Why did we get cursed by that monkey? <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just a lot of weird, to this day, cultural uh, references to this. Oh, I bet the people go and uh, rub the monkey statue's foot for good luck before the See, British that sports game. That wasn't very lucky for that monkey. You know he was chewing on his feet in that cage. Probably. Didn't know what was going on. Probably for the best. 
dispute. Yeah. Well, um, I guess now it's time for... I thought this would be a bright little note of just a tragic hanging of a monkey or a child, but apparently it took a dark turn. <laughs> They're too like people. So now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, which will surely get us out of this sad monkey slump. What if they met? Max, you didn't sing the what song. if they met? <laughs> Why don't you show me what if these people met who they never met? Tell me more. What if they met? I want to know what would have happened right then. Come with me to see if they met. But of course they never met. But if they had really met... We'd talk about them right now. I love that song <laughs> so much. Um, <clears throat> so, this is the segment on Anachronismo where we take two figures from, one of our, from two of our stories and ask what would have happened if they had met, in case the song didn't tell you that. Oh, um, I'm just imagining that Nellie and this monkey met on her across the world journey like the monkeys in the trial is about to be hanged his like you know his lawyers just like talking to him whispering in his ear well he's just going like <laughs> but like right before he's about to be hanged he sees this air balloon just dives in out of nowhere and nelly's hands reach out and the monkey grabs it and it swings aboard and the whole town's like let's just let's just say we hung him no one's, no one's going to no, believe, believe this. Everyone no will make fun of us if we lost the monkey. Here, hang this child instead. Oh. And everyone say it was a monkey. Oh. oh. Brutal. And then the monkey owes her a life bond. And so later on, when she's fighting Liz oh, in the air, yeah. he, he jumps on and like pulls out the knife, which is like it was part of his like military uniform, and duels her in midair. Nelly and the monkey are like starving in the desert and he starts crying and little bananas come out and they just start eating them and they survive. Wow. Uh, but then Nelly feels bad because she had to just make the monkey sad the whole all time. the time for their survival. Had to keep reminding him of how like she saved his life and he's like, that's, that's really not fair. I didn't ask to be saved. <laughs> Was it worth it, Nelly? I wanted to be hanged. <laughs> Break that poor monkey just so you could eat those bananas. That monkey would have been better off hanged. This would be good for one of your articles, wouldn't it, Nelly? And that's wouldn't like, it? but that's like the that's like the mid the two thirds of the way movie that like dip in the plot where it's like you know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they come back together and uh, the monkey you know. Uh, comes back and like saves Nelly's life, or Nelly saves the monkey's life again, or maybe they just like run towards each other, and Nelly's holding a boombox over her head, a historically accurate boombox. So I guess like um, a wax cylinder, Two phonographs <laughs> tied together on a pole, <laughs> and the monkey's like in its room, like really sad, trying bananas and eating them, and like looks out the window, and Nelly's there in the rain, <laughs> and it like goes out and like swings down, <laughs> and they just start kissing. And it turns out that the ape was William Seaman. <laughs> or C-Ape. <gasps> but he changed it because he was posing as a man. <laughs> and he wasn't really that much older than her. They just had to explain because his, life his lifespan was shorter. It's all coming together. It wow. all makes so much more sense. 
Well, that's going to do it for us this week on Anachronismo. <laughs> Unless someone else has other people they want to have met. What if the skeleton army... Oh, she infiltrated the skeleton army. Ooh, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she reported on how they would, like, throw rats and, like, how they were raising rats and tying them together to make rat kings. That's so mean to the rats. Well, you can't get a rat king without breaking a few rats. Brains. They're, they're, not, they're not made, Yeah, you tie, their, you tie their tails together. They so. just happen. Uh, it depends. <clears throat> People made rat kings? Yeah. Why? That's a great question, Jackie. You know... <laughs> You know what? Sound of Mike being disassembled. Well, I guess if if in London or England at the time you just put your hand out and a rat appears, eventually you're like, oh, I got so many rats, but I want to only hold one. How can I hold all the rats at the same time? Well, I gotta get a rat organizer, maybe a, um, a rat power strip. Yeah, I mean, like for sideshows and stuff, I guess. But also, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, some people said that rat kings had magic powers. I said it was just eight rats tied together, and it was a horror. Nellie Blythe said, Why are you showing me this rat king? I'm trying to learn more about the skeleton army. (laughs) Hard-hitting reporting. (laughs) I think I've lost about a gallon of water sitting here. I think I've dripped the veneer off this chair. I'm worried about that I think I think it's probably time to call an end to this episode. Yeah, <laughs> just because we've lost so much fluid, we're sitting in a tiny hot room. Um, so that's going to do it uh, for us this week on Anachronismo. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, at a n a c podcast. That's anac podcast. Uh, email us at itsanachronismo at gmail dot com. Find us on Facebook, um, or you know. Uh, or just, you know, shout out of a window, Anachronismo, assemble! And we'll be there. We'll be there. Uh, also, um, you know, please find time to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, it really helps us out, helps us find more people, and uh, yeah, maybe recommend us to your friends if you like us. If you don't, well, uh, you probably haven't listened this long, so... Maybe Thanks people. for hate listening, yeah, I guess. Yeah, people hate listening. Yeah, if you hate listening to us, please write to us and tell us what we're doing, right or wrong. And if you uh, have any, like, favorite historical stories or... Shit you want to correct us on? Write in. Ignore the disclaimer. Fuck it. Just talk to us. We're lonely. I'm lonely. I'm so lonely. Um, yeah. Anything Anything else? Max, I'll find you some rats. And I'll <laughs> put them in a human suit so you have a friend. I yeah. appreciate it. I'm just thinking that that uh, that um, Hartlepool monkey that they, you know, after the hanging ceremony... One person kind of stays in the town square after everyone else is cleared away. And he's just watching, looking at this this brave chimp soldier hung as part of the war. And he just whispers to the, the oncoming evening, He was so brave. He wasn't a chimpanzee at all. And then he collapses into a bunch of rats and just runs up. <laughs> we'll see you next time here on Anachronismo. Anachronismo.